Hallelujah. God is good. Uh, how many notice that the light is shining brighter from the cross? Anybody notice that driving by? Yeah, we, the, the Anthony's uh, got somebody and did an electrical thing and did 21 light bulbs pointing at the cross. Isn't that great? So thank Anthony and Tess Thompson for doing that. That's phenomenal. And the Mournville flooring, yeah. Amen. I go in there to tan every, every morning, and uh, it's, it's my tanning bed. <laughs> no, they're just really, they're little LED lights, so they don't take much power, but God is good, amen? Amen. And uh, how many are starting to get into the Christmas mood? Anybody? It's a little bit of a strange year, but we're, come on now, Jesus is still the same, and he's still alive, he's still on the throne. And so we're, uh, we're just all growing. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I love driving around and looking at lights. Anybody else like lights? I'm a light guy. So Christmas lights. Well, this week we're uh, continuing on our series, And He Shall Be Called. And of course, that's from Isaiah chapter 9, uh, the scripture that talks about uh, who Jesus is. And we're going to kind of flesh that out just a little bit more today. But last week, if you didn't watch the sermon or if you weren't present to talk about Jesus being the burden bearer. And so uh, it's just powerful to understand that Christ not only takes our sins upon himself and our burdens upon himself, but he also takes those things that have been done against us. The mic's a little bit hot, guys. I'll let you do a little bit of adjusting on that. That'd be awesome. Thanks. I don't like when they adjust when I'm speaking, but it's, it's a little bit hot for me up here. So there you go. Oh. So much better. Way to go. Thank you. You guys still hear me? Good. Online? Wonderful. Thank you. So we talked about Jesus being the burden bearer, that he carries our burdens, he carries, carries our sorrows, but not only the things that we've done wrong in our life, amen, but also those things that have been done against us. And we talked about the yoke of the oppression uh, against our backs and our backs, and Christ bore the law of God upon his back to set us free. Amen? And so Jesus is the burden bearer. It's one of, you know, his great names. It's one of the things in which he, he is. And so we really started looking at that scripture, and he shall be called from Isaiah chapter 9, wonderful counselor. We found out that God is counseling us continually to place our burdens upon him. How many of you know, isn't it a good thing as a believer to be able to place your burdens upon God rather than carry them yourself? I'm so thankful that we can turn all the weight that's on our lives to turn it on to God and off of ourselves. Today we're going to talk about the fact that he is the mighty God and the everlasting Father. And it's kind of this like, there, there, there's these two aspects of the nature of God that we're going to look at today. That he is, you know, he's mighty God, which means he transcends all of, all of our understanding. He is larger, bigger, more than. He's more-ish. He, he is awesome in every way. And so we see this transcendence of God, but also the imminence of God, the closeness of God in the everlasting Father. And so I want you, as we go through the text today, we're going to be in Isaiah 40. I told you that last week. We're going to look at Isaiah 40, and we're going to begin to understand. And, and I want you to be listening for those two understandings of God. He's both the mighty God 
and the everlasting Father. He both transcends and is bigger than we could possibly imagine, but he's as close as the mention of his name. And so I want you to see that as we look at that through Isaiah chapter 40. Now I'm going to give you, again, just a brief kind of synopsis of the book of Isaiah. I love the book of Isaiah. It's probably my favorite prophetic book in all the Bible. And uh, the first 35 chapters of the book of Isaiah kind of deal with condemnation. And it's not God condemning people, but what he's basically saying in the first 35 chapters, just to summarize really briefly, is he's basically saying, guys, if you try to live life without me, you're going to live in this condemnation. And so it's this call to people back to relationship with God. Are you following me? So Isaiah chapter 1 through 35 is kind of this, this understanding of, you know, we need God. And if we try to live our lives without God, it really doesn't go well for us. And then we go to verse chapter 36, right through to chapter 39. And, and we move into a historic. So the first, the first, part, of the, you know, the first part of this book is, is kind of prophetic, talking about condemnation. And then the next four chapters are historic. And they're really dealing uh, with what is actually going to happen. And so he, he goes in and he says, guys, listen, you're about to be overtaken. You're about to be overtaken by the Babylonians. And uh, just get ready for it. I mean, this is kind of a terrible thing that God is saying here. But he's letting people know. He's saying, guys, uh, you know, you've not been following me. You've not been walking with me. Understand this is about to happen. You can see this great nation rising up. And you're going to be taken into captivity. Not really what you want to hear on a Sunday morning. Are you following me? (laughs) It's kind of not happy talk. And then all of a sudden, now hang in there. Don't leave yet. All of a sudden, in chapter 40, God flips a switch. And and all of a sudden, we move into, we're no longer talking from the prophetic understanding. We're no longer talking from the historic understanding. But we're now talking from the messianic understanding. That it's okay because God is going to be with you. And that's really where we are. And in the midst of that, I want you to understand there's kind of a central thought in Isaiah chapter 40, and it's God asking us, well, back then he was asking the people questions, but they're questions that we can hear and listen to today. Listen to these questions that God asks us from Isaiah chapter 40. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these and why do you complain, O Jacob? Why do you say, O Sturgeon County? That's in the Greek. You have to get the Greek there. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. And, and so God is asking us a question. He's, he's kind of laying out this understanding. You know, things aren't going great in the world. Things aren't going great at the time of, of the writing of this 2,700 years ago. He's saying, guys, I know it's kind of pressurous. I know there's a lot going on. But I want you to understand that I am with you. I am walking with you through this. And I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. So who is this God? This is what God is asking of us. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? And so for us this Christmas season in 2020, I believe that God wants us to to look up. (laughs) 
You know, the world is calling us to look around. The world is trying to distract. The world is pulling on our thoughts all the time. The world is calling for us to pay attention to it. And God is saying, look up. Who is the God who is with you through this all? And we're going to discover today that he is both the mighty God and the everlasting Father. Well, let's pray as we look to understand more of who this God is. So, Father, today as we talk through the reality that you are both the mighty God and the everlasting Father, that you transcend our greatest expectations, you are bigger than. Hallelujah. You are more than enough. So, God, give us eyes to see now and ears to hear, and hearts to receive and respond. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you better, Lord, that we might know the hope to which you have called us, and we might know the glorious inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus and the incomparably great power for us who believe. Help us to know that you have come close as the everlasting Father. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, let's start right at the top of the chapter, Isaiah chapter 40. Listen to what he says. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sins have been paid for. It goes on and says, make straight in the desert the highway of our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain made low. And, and the rough ground shall become level. The rugged place is plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. God is speaking comfort to his people and to a people in fear and despair. It's interesting that word speak tenderly is, is just a word, guys, that is just like, it's pregnant with meaning. And it's this idea of touching both the heart and the mind and encompassing all of life. It's this idea of being intimately close. It's a, this idea of being over, above, beyond, beyond time, in the moment, but all encompassing in that moment. It's like a parent holding a child who has had a scare, a fall, and is comforting them. And it's that the parent is holding that child, and that child is being embraced. And I want you to under, understand, it's kind of this idea of recentering someone on love. It's kind of like they've been distracted, they've been pulled away, and all of a sudden God is saying, speak tenderly, I'm going to pull you in close to myself, and I'm going to recenter you on to the love of God. And this is the idea that, that is being spoken to this people that are facing this very uncertain future, and he's speaking to them. And, and I'm telling you guys, this is no small task. I want you to grasp how awesome this scripture really lays it out, and it begins to understand. You know, the valleys have been raised up. <laughs> the mountains have been leveled. The unstable ground has been made perfectly flat. God has built a highway. This is the idea. God has built a highway to your heart 
and to my heart. And for some of you, that means bringing some mountains down, bringing some mountains of fear down, bringing some mountains of pride down, bringing some mountains of, of, of what discombobulation. It doesn't matter. You call it what it is. And some of you need to be raised up. Some of you are feeling dis- discouraged and depressed. And God's saying, it doesn't matter. I will raise you up. I will raise you up out of that valley. And I'm going to make the, those places that are rough, I'm going to make them smooth. Hallelujah. Because that's who I am. I'm building a highway. And God has built a highway. And I want you to get this. I love this picture. That Do you understand, guys, that the gospel is at street level? <laughs> There's no cliff to climb. There's not even a little lip to climb. It just means that God meets, reaches people who are at the uttermost or the guttermost. It doesn't matter. It's level ground. (laughs) This is what the gospel has done. This is the good news. This is what Isaiah 40 begins to jump into. And by the way, the book of Isaiah is this incredible book. How many of you know there are 39 chapters in the Old Testament? And there are 27 chapters in the New Testament. That makes 66. Guess how many chapters are in the book of Isaiah? 66. Guess what the first 39 chapters, the book of Isaiah, deal with this judgment and separation and our need to come to God, and then all of a sudden jumps into the hope of the Messiah coming. How many of you know it's a perfect picture of the Bible itself? Isn't that awesome? That 39 chapters are like, guys, you got to get your life right with God, you got to be right with God, and all of a sudden chapter 40 is like, now you can get your life right with God because God has made a way. God has come close. God has raised you up. God has lowered. God has leveled the ground. God has done it all. Just come and accept his comfort and his love. And you say to me, well, pastor, that's such good news. Hallelujah. If God has come close, why are things so hard? (laughs) You know, it's when we're facing challenging, challenging times that we're called by God, church, to look up. When everything is trying to pull our eyes off of God, that's when the believer looks up through prayer. That's when the believer looks up through worship. That's when the believer looks up through fellowship. That's when the believer says, you know what, we have a hope that the world does not have. By the way, that video that Pastor Tyler released, uh, it's getting released on social media this week. And, and we're going to see our community saying, I'm going to church. Because how many of you know people need hope right now? And if we've got to add 10 services, we'll add 10 services. It doesn't matter. We'll do whatever we have to do to preach the message of hope in the midst of this season. Where's our God? Remember, guys, the text, we're going to look at it now, bounces back and forth from this transcendent, mighty God to this imminently close, eternal, everlasting Father. Amen? Well, let's jump into the text and start looking at that. And I'm just going to share, today is a little bit different. I had some interesting times prepping this sermon because I felt the Holy Spirit just say, tell me to share stories from my life. So that's what this message is going to be. Stories of where I've seen the everlasting God. And where I've seen mighty God and everlasting Father. 
Let's jump into Isaiah chapter 40. It says, look, here comes the Lord Yahweh as a victorious warrior. He triumphs with awesome power. Watch as he brings his reward with him, the spoils of victory that he gives to his people. He will care for you as a shepherd tends his flocks. Gathering the weak lambs and taking them in his arms, he carried them close to his heart and gently leads those who have young. Verse 12, who has measured the waters of the sea in the hollow of his hand and used his hand width to mark off the heavens. Who knows the exact weight of all the dust of the earth and has weighed all the mountains and hills on a scale. Bam. Do you see, do you see that, that picture there of the everlasting Father and you see the picture of the mighty God? Do you follow me in this text? You see the two, this, this transcendence and this eminence. You see this coming together, this mighty God, this everlasting Father. You know, God is on the scene, church, and I want you to know that he answers our prayers and he hears our hearts and he sees our situation and he's made a highway to get to you. Hallelujah. Now listen, this is very important. He doesn't always answer the way that you want him to answer, but he answers every time. I'm going to tell you a few quick stories just from my family of healing that you need to hear that are powerful and seeing this powerful moment of me reaching with God. When my daughter was born, Michaela was born uh, without hip sockets. And so uh, there's multiple reasons for that. One of the reasons is she was breached her entire pregnancy, uh, Betty, the pregnancy, and so hip sockets didn't form. The ball was not in place, and the hip sockets did not form. Michaela basically grew in the womb, but she had no hip sockets. And so when she came out, the doctors knew something was wrong, and immediately for the first nine months of her life, she was in a body brace. And uh, we were praying, and after about six months, the doctor does another set of x-rays, and he says, it's not going well. He says, if I don't see a, a major change in the next few months, we're going to have to do surgery. Now, th this is no small thing. This could possibly mean that Michaela would be walking with canes for the rest of her life. This is what this meant. So she would be essentially crippled. And uh, we just prayed and we said, God, you got to help us here. So we went back to that, that uh, bone specialist a few months later. And he pulls up another x-ray and he says to us, there's been a remarkable change in your daughter's hips. And he puts up the pictures and he shows us things and he's pointing stuff out and he's showing it and he's saying the hip sockets have formed. It, it, we, it's awesome. There won't be any need for surgery. And Betty, of course, says, we've had our whole church praying. And he looked puzzled and thought, it was the brace that fixed things. No, it wasn't, Mr. Doctor. <laughs> It was mighty God. Mighty God showed up on the scene. And by the way, our daughter who wore this brace for nine months was walking before she was 11 months old in a body brace. Isn't that awesome? Isn't God amazing? So I'm telling you guys, you know, you're in this situation as a parent and you're saying, God, my little one, what are we going to do, Lord? What are we going to do? And God's like, I've got it covered. You know, I was thinking about Mitchell. And uh, we've had different things. Well, let me talk about Betty first. Betty, uh, when Michaela was born, uh, had gallstones. And so she had already had open, uh, she had to have a C-section with Michaela. And uh, so now she was going to have another surgery 
of, of opening up and, and dealing with these gallstones. And she was like, Lord, you know, I just re- remember praying. And she was on the way to the, the doctor's office uh, to, for the final checkup before the surgery. And uh, they, she prayed a prayer and she just said, Lord, I know that you heal, but I'm struggling to understand and believe that you want to heal me. And then she said, Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. Help me to believe. And when she went in, again, the doctor did the ultrasound to see the stones. And guess what? No stones. They were gone. And so Betty didn't have to have this surgery. Isn't God good? Amen. So we met with the mighty God again that day. I remember Mitchell. Mitchell should stay away from swimming pools is kind of the lesson here. But... uh, there's a couple things that happened to Mitchell. I mean, when he was a little kid, about f- maybe six years old, we went to a camp, and it, you know those old teeter-totters that were like nine feet to nine feet? And so he was up on, a, on the top thing, and, a, and an older boy had him down, and then the older boy jumped off to play, to play a trick, trick on him, and he came down nine feet and compressed his spine, two vertebrae. It was not good. And we're like, the doctor, we took him in to, for all those different things, and, and the pediatrician was looking, and he said, you know, Mitchell would have been a bit taller, but he's probably going to lose an inch, inch and a half off his height because he's compressed two, two, two of his vertebrae. Well, have you seen Mitchell? He's not small, and he's okay. I want you to know that God met him and expanded those vertebrae again. Guys, I'm telling you, the mighty God is on the scene. Are you with me? And, and even when you don't know what's going on, and, and I remember one time we, we were at a swimming pool, and uh, it was uh, a mall in our city that has a water slide really big. I won't mention its name. And uh, <laughs> Mitchell was kind of, came down the really fast slide part and was kind of laboring in the pool to get out. And before he could get out, they let the next person go. And the guy came down, and a big a man basically hit him right in the head. And we were like, oh, my Lord, did he just kill our kid? And so I hauled him out of the pool, and we had to take him to the hospital. And I'm going to tell you, though some things were jarred in him, and we're not sure what happened really, he is healed and he is okay. Amen? <laughs> I think he's hiding, so I, can't, I can say, that. oh, he just opened the door. I'm kind of scared right now. He's coming up. Guys, listen to me. Multiple times in my life, I've seen the mighty God and the everlasting Father come up. In 2011, uh, most of you here know that I was diagnosed with MS. And so um, during that diagnosis in 2011, the first thing that I did was I just began to pursue God like I never have before. I'm telling you, I fasted, I prayed, I... I confessed every sin that I even thought of in my life or even maybe came near me. I, guys, I did, I spent an hour, no word of a lie, every single night in worship, in praise, just pursuing God. And that's what I did. I just did for five years. And I've never felt more distant from God. I was like, what is going on? And, and I'm telling you, I was just getting more and more like, God, where are you? Have you abandoned me? You know, the Bible talks about, or scholars talk about, or 
the church fathers talk about the dark night of the soul. And I was in the dark night of the soul for five years. And I just remember feeling like, God, you've, you've abandoned me for whatever reason. I don't understand it, but that's how I feel. I remember the leadership team knew, to, knew I needed a break, and so they uh, uh, helped me to get to start my master's uh, degree in a course called Renovari. And I was in Dallas, Texas for part of that course. And on one of the days of the course, it was a 24-hour silence and solitude retreat. And so during this silence and solitude uh, with the Lord and having these moments of confession with God, like God, you know, it's a hard thing when a pastor has to get to the point, listen to me, and say, God, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. You've not been the everlasting father to me. And in the midst of that confession and my 24 hours of silence and solitude, I had a vision. And I, and I don't have those all the time. I've had several in my life, but this was real. And so I saw myself and I saw this little child. And I, this little child was kind of alone. It, it, it was wearing like a little robe, but it was kind of a brownish, uh, yellowy, dirty, kind of, you know, like a, a smock. Or, or the, and I was just, I was, I was, my face was dirty. I was like a little abandoned kid. Are you following me? And they just, I saw the tears and the anguish in my face. I could see it. And then all of a sudden, I saw these hands come in and scoop me up. And I could only see the torso and the body, like this portion of whoever's hands were holding me. And they, that person was wearing this white, beautifully, uh, just comfortable robe. And it was, had little gold trim all around it. And I could see this child struggling and pushing against the father. And I had this picture. Like, I want you to understand what the picture was like. Um, you know when a kid gets lost in the mall? And then they get found by their parent. And then they're mad at their parent for losing them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's like, you left me. You abandoned me. That was me in this picture. So I'm this little kid. And I'm pushing and straining against these hands. And I'm going to tell you guys, I wish I could describe, I wish I could tell you the strength of that, those two hands holding me. It was immovable. It didn't matter how hard I strained. It didn't matter that I pushed away. It didn't matter. It was like this embrace was like the rock of Gibraltar. It was like you are not going to move. And I began to kind of fight and fight against the the embrace, but then I began to kind of be that kid that began to whimper, you know. (laughs) You left me. (laughs) And the, the embrace was just holding me closer holding me closer, holding me, and then I just began to, to kind of settle into the embrace, and suddenly I could, feel the, I could feel the material that his beautiful robe was made of. It was like a beautiful, comfortable terry cloth, and I could see the little gold, ornate decorations on it, and it was white, and I could see myself just kind of sobbing and being held in this place, and then what began to happen was I began to be cleaned up. It was like my hair got trimmed and my face got washed. And suddenly I was wearing a white robe. 
just like the hands of the one embracing me. And it had a little gold trim on it. And then all of a sudden I saw the face of this little boy that was being held in this immovable embrace. And he began to smile. And that was the end of the vision. What does that mean? <laughs> you see, I was that guy saying, my cause is disregarded by my God. I was the voice in Isaiah. I was the one that God was saying, you know, why are you saying, oh Greg, that my cause is disregarded, that God has ignored me? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? I'm the everlasting Father. I'm the mighty God. You are not alone. Amen? See, John 10, 10 says this, my sheep will hear my voice and I know each one, and they will follow me. I give them the gift of eternal life, and they will never be lost, and no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me as a gift is the mightiest of all, and no one has the power to snatch them from my Father's care. Amen? Church, listen, God's holding us even when we're straining against them. Listen, I, I haven't received that healing yet. And you say, well, you're having faith. I get it. Yeah, I, amen, I receive that. I'm with you. But you know what I know? God is holding me. God is holding me. You know, I wish I could stand here and say, man, I know I've been delivered. My hands have come back to normal. Everything's good. And, and, and I'm believing for that, and I'm holding on for that, and I'm hoping for that. But I'm going to tell you something. God has not let me go. God has not let me go. And he's not let you go, amen? In the midst of whatever you're facing, the immovable, unshakable love of your God will not let you go. Hallelujah. Well, let's see if we can see again from another text here. Isaiah 40, verse 13. Who fully understands the spirit of Yahweh or is wise enough to counsel him? Whom does he consult to enlighten? Who teaches him the ways of justice? Who imparts knowledge to him or shows him the true path of wisdom? Jumping to verse 28. Don't you know? Haven't you been listening? Yahweh is the one and only everlasting God, the creator of all you can see and imagine. He will never get weary or worn out. His intelligence is unlimited. He is never puzzled on what to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My mom was in the hospital uh, at the Cross Cancer Institute with stage four cancer and, and the last days of her life. And I was pastoring in Fort McMurray. It was a highly stressful time for our family, obviously having never really been through what we were going through as a family. And I, uh, I remember I was just heading into staff meeting up in Fort McMurray and I got a call from my mom's oncologist and she said, your mom is not doing good. You need to get here immediately if you want to see her. And guys, I'm going to tell you, this, is, I, this was unbelievable. Here's her doctor, highly trained, amazing woman. I said, without even thinking, I said, have you changed her medication? My mom is very sensitive to medication. And there's kind of this pause on the other end of the line, like, who are you to question me? But she said, well, we've just upped her dosage of medication, but let me check 
the oncologist listens to the pastor and goes and checks her medication. She says, I'll call you back. She calls me back in about 15 minutes and she says, I had doubled your mother's medication, but it was misread on the notes and they went 20 times her pain medication and almost put her into a coma. He said, we've or she said, we've reversed it. She's doing fine. Everything's okay. How many know there's a mighty God? <laughs> How many know Greg Fraser is not an oncologist, nor is he a pain specialist? How many know God is on the scene, you guys? Now, my brother and I can tell you, I wish I could tell you that my mom got healed, uh, you know, and everything's wonderful, and what an amazing testimony, and wow, mighty God even did even more. But I'm going to tell you what did happen was my mom lived for a few more weeks, and uh, her whole family got to gather and to be with her. And it was powerful, you guys. And we got to sing her into eternity. <laughs> and I remember the song that we would sing. I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you more, more than words can say. I need you more. Than ever before, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. More than the air I breathe. More than my next heartbeat. Got the words wrong, but you understand. More than the song I sing. And Lord, as time goes by, I will be by your side. Amen? Mighty God, everlasting Father. Sometimes he doesn't answer us the way we want him to answer us, but he answers us. And he's present. He's present with us, church, in our greatest moments of need. He transcends all understanding. Let's read another scripture. Isaiah 40, 21. He says, fear not. Do you not realize that God the creator is the creator? Don't you hear the truth? Haven't you been told from the beginning? Haven't you understood this? Since he laid the firm foundations for the earth, he sits enthroned high above the circle of the earth. To him the people are of earth are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreading it open like a tent to live in. 2,700 years ago, God called the earth a circle. That's 1,500 years before science knew that earth was a circle, by the way. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? He's mighty God. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and all of us are kind of like grasshoppers, but how many of you know God still loves the grasshoppers? Let me tell you a story of God knowing what he's doing. So I had a friend, his name was Brian, and Brian um, was a, a friend. He was my friend. I, I loved Brian. But Brian was not the most God-fearing man in the world. 
And, uh, you know, Brian, when I became a believer, Brian was my chief mocker. Brian, that, he took that job. He just would mock me. He'd be like, you still following that Jesus? You still doing that? And that was kind of my daily, whenever I'd encounter Brian, that was the conversation. And he'd always end our conversation with, see you at the bonfire. And Brian was referring to my, what he would say, my eventual martyrdom at the hands of, you know, pygmies being burned at the stake. This is, this is how he would kind of always be talking to me. And I used to say about Brian, uh, as a matter of fact, I said this at his funeral, uh, which I'll get to in a moment. I said, you know, Brian and I both talked, used the Lord's name a lot, just in different contexts. And uh, so understand, Brian wasn't really a God-fearing man, but I prayed for Brian all the time. God save him. God save him. God save him. Brian went through a terrible bout with cancer, and he had a, a terrible battle. And uh, during that terrible battle, his family called me, and they said, can you come and pray for Brian? Because he's in the last moments here. And so I went to the hospital, and I had brought my guitar, thinking I would sing the song that I sang to my mom, you know, when people are in their last bouts of cancer. And uh, we prayed, my wife and I, before we went in the hospital room, and we said, Brian, we said, Lord, could you please wake Brian up from coma? He's in a coma now. Are you following me? He's in a coma. He has been responsive now for weeks. We said, Lord, he's not ready for eternity. Could you give us a sign that he's going to make it? He's going to be okay. Would you be merciful to him? So we went in to his hospital room, and the family was all gathered. And, you know, you have this strong unction from the Holy Spirit to pray for his salvation. And so we said, I don't know what to do right now, Lord. He's not responsive. He's not here. So we just took his hand, and we prayed. And I prayed the simplest salvation prayer. And I just said, I said, Lord, let Brian respond to me. Let him squeeze my hand if he understands and agrees with what I'm saying. So I'm holding his hand, and I'm praying through this labored prayer, guys. I'm telling you, like one line at a time, sometimes one word at a time. Brian, if you understand me, I want you to just give me as gentle a squeeze you can. Heavenly Father, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive my sins. And I walk them through this prayer. Are you following me? And the family's all there. And that, that was miraculous because he wasn't responsive, but I could feel the gentlest squeeze of my hand. Are you following what I'm saying? And after I led him through the prayer, and my, you know, my heart was like, thank you, God, thank you, God. The incredible thing happened. He came out of a coma. And his whole family's there, and they're just in utter disbelief. <laughs> and he removes his oxygen and feeding tube. It's not pleasant, okay? He pulls it out. And he begins looking at his kids. He can't speak because the cancer was in his throat. And he's smiling, and he's looking at them, and they're all like white as ghosts. And he basically gets a pad of paper, and he says, I want to go home. And so they took him home. 18 hours later, he went to be with the Lord. Mighty God <laughs> was merciful for someone that didn't even have the time of day for him. And as I said, I got to speak at his funeral. Just They had an open mic, which was a mistake. And I just, 
I just shared the story. Not in the same detail you just got. But God is good. And we talked about to all these, and I'm not going to tell you what his profession was, but these higher power, very high powered people were in, a, in present in that room. Probably three or four hundred of them heard that Brian made his peace with God. How many know we have a merciful, everlasting Father and a mighty God? Amen? I can just tell story after story, so let me tell a few more. Isaiah chapter 40, starting at verse 25. The Holy One asks, can anyone or anything compare to me? Where is the one equal to me? Lift up your eyes to the sky and see for yourself. Who do you think created the cosmos? He lit every shining star and formed every glowing galaxy and stationed them all where they belong. He has numbered, counted, and given every one of them a name. They shine because of God's incredible power and awesome might. Not one of them fails to appear. Tomorrow at dusk, the 21st of December 2020, winter solstice, look to the southwest, get in the dark, look to the southwest, right from the dusk time for about 40 minutes, you're going to see something that has not happened in over 800 years. Saturn and Jupiter are aligning and forming the Christmas star. You are going to see the brightest object in the sky, pray for it to be clear, to the southwest from about 4 o'clock till 4.45. You'll see it right on the horizon, this brilliant star shining. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of the worst year in the history of the world, as many people would say, God is saying, it's not over yet. Come on. So if you see me outside, that's what I'm looking for. Blow the clouds away, Lord, and let us see the Christmas star shining. Hallelujah. Betty was uh, the baby of her family, nine children, and she was the baby. And um, when we got engaged, uh, well, and married, we, I was in Bible college, and she worked a part-time job, and we, had, we didn't have two dimes. Forget about pennies. We didn't have nothing. We just were like... Living on love, you know what I'm saying? I mean, when the, when, the, when the pastor married us and said, for richer or poorer, my brother, who was my best man, started laughing out loud in the middle of the ceremony because it was definitely poorer. Are you following me? And I, I had never met Betty's family. Follow me. We, we're, we're actually married now. I'd only met two of her family, three of her family members, and the other five I had not met one had already passed away. I had not met them. So we, we were like, we can't get back to Newfoundland. We can't afford that. I'm in Bible college. She's working part-time. And God provided us with an ability to go back to Newfoundland. It was incredible. Miracle. So we went back to visit her family. And I met her dad for the first time. Her mom had already passed away. And uh, I met her dad. And her dad had advanced stages of Alzheimer's. He didn't remember his kids, he didn't remember any of his kids, and never mind the youngest kid, are you following me? So we went and visited him in the senior's home, and, and uh, he, he loved the Word of God. He was a very simple man, he was a fisherman, um, but he loved God's Word. 
And so I'm reading from the Gospels. Follow this. So he can't remember his kids. He can't remember anything. I'm reading from the Gospels, and I'm reading from John chapter 14. You know, in my father's house are many rooms, and, you know, if it were not so, I would not have told you. And I kind of paused to clear my breath, and he kept reading. He just kept reading. And I'm like, so I flip the page to another gospel, and I'm like, I start reading, and I pause, and he keeps reading. See, he didn't, he didn't read, but he had memorized the four gospels. <laughs> this simple man had memorized the four gospels. He doesn't remember his kids. He doesn't remember anything else. But the word of God is coming out of his mouth. And then something incredible happened. It's like a brightness came to his eyes, and he looked at Betty, and he said, Betty, what are you doing here? And he remembered his daughter. In the midst of Alzheimer's, suddenly God gave him clarity in that moment, and we, first time I'd ever met him, and I, hey, who's this stranger holding your hand? Like, what is going on? I'm the guy that married your daughter. Okay, he didn't say anything about that, but boy, was he taken. Was he taken that he could remember his daughter for that moment? And we went back another time to, to pray with him and to be with him. And I tried that every time I went. I would read portions of the Bible and I'd stop and he'd carry on. And he remembered his daughter both times that we went back to visit him. It was shortly thereafter that he went to be with the Lord. Isn't God awesome? Guys, he's a mighty God. Hallelujah. Amazing. I could tell you about Michaela's missions trips. When she was 16, she wanted for her birthday a trip to Africa. And so we, you know, that was great to be able to pull that together. And some people actually from here helped her to do that as well. She went with a group. And in that time, she, uh, we're in Africa. My wife wakes up in the middle of the night and she says, I see a fire and this dark face and it's destruction. And I, feel, I see something very bad happening. And so Betty got up and we began to pray. We began to pray, pray for protection, pray for protection. We didn't know that they were on a safari and what happened was they got caught in a bushfire and they were completely trapped by fire. And we didn't have a clue, right? We're just praying, but God delivered them and they got out of that fire to safety. Pretty cool. My daughter then, when she's 20, she goes on another missions trip with YWAM and she's in Nepal, and she's in Nepal, and suddenly there's an earthquake in Nepal that's made na international news. You remember that earthquake where Kathmandu was basically rocked and destroyed, and, and nobody, there was no communication. We had no way of knowing. We had no clue what was going on. We get a text from her after about 12 hours that says, we were not in the epicenter, but we are experiencing aftershocks. That's it. No communication. Next 24 hours. I go to church, prayer meeting in the morning, Monday morning, and a lady named Melinda, who used to attend our church, she says, I really feel the Lord gave me a scripture for you. And she's like, I, I don't know if it doesn't make any sense, but here it is. And she starts reading this verse. She says, not this verse, not this, but this portion of the verse. And she reads, one thing I ask from the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. 
For in the day of trouble, he will keep you safe from his dwelling, in his dwelling, and he will hide you in the shelter of a sacred tent and set you high upon a rock. I start laughing. Why? That is the scripture we dedicated Michaela to. We actually put her name in the scripture. We actually said one thing we ask of the Lord, and this is what we seek, that Michaela may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of her life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And in the day of trouble, he will keep Michaela safe. And though we had no communication with her for another 24 hours, we knew she was perfectly fine. Church, we have a mighty God. We have an everlasting Father. Hallelujah. Man, I could tell you so many more stories, you guys. I could tell you the story about Betty driving her car in a wintry day and, and the, uh, somebody swerved toward her and she lost control of the vehicle and got into a head-on collision. Her mo- mother was killed. And she had this question like, where's my mom? Is my mom okay? Is she in eternity? And uh, her, again, her cousin phones her and says, I have a scripture for you. And uh, she had no idea. She gives this scripture. And uh, the scripture is basically like, I, into, my ha- into thy hands I commit my spirit in Psalm, Psalm 31.5. And I have been redeemed by the Lord. What she didn't know is that when, when Betty was a little girl, she had night terrors. And she went to her mom. And she said, Mom, I, I can't sleep. I'm having these nightmares. And, and what happened was her mom said, Honey, just pray and say, Lord, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Her cousin didn't know that. Nobody knew that story but Betty. And here she was 30 years later, this cousin saying, I have this scripture for you, and I don't know what it means, but Betty knew right away that her mom was with God in eternity. We have a mighty God, guys. I could tell you about Betty's cousin who was on the Ocean Ranger, and her, uh, he, the Ocean Ranger, for those of you who don't know, is an oil platform that sunk, sank. It was a terrible accident. It was the unsinkable oil platform. Over 84 men and women were killed upon that tragedy. And uh, Betty's cousin, her husband was on board, and he was a backslidden Christian. And she was like, Lord, is he okay? Where is he at? And I need closure, Lord. I need closure. I need to know. Do you understand? This is the North Atlantic, you guys. 40-foot waves. This is, there's no recovery. Are you following what I'm saying? The Coast Guard cutter goes to the site where the oil platform sank. A wave crashes over the ship. And when the water recedes away from the deck of the ship, his body is laying on top of the Coast Guard cutter deck. That's a miracle of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? She needed closure. She prayed to the mighty God, and suddenly this experience, this thing happens. You know, I wish some of these stories were happier. I I really do, but I want you to get, guys, that in the midst of crisis, in the midst of hard times, in the midst of difficulties, God is with us. Hallelujah. How do we close? (laughs) At the very end of the verse, chapter 40. He empowers the feeble and infuses the powerless with increasing strength. 
When young people faint and get exhausted, athletic ones, they may stumble and fall, but those who wait on Yahweh's grace will experience divine strength. They will rise up on soaring wings and fly like eagles, run their race without growing weary, and walk through life without giving up. How many of us just need an infusion of Yahweh's strength in this hour, amen? To run the race, to rise up on wings of eagles today. We're going to close with a song. Are we good to go on that song? Come on. I'm sorry I kept you a bit long. I could have told you more stories, guys. If you only knew what I wanted to say, (laughs) you'd be impressed. Let's sing that song together, amen. Do you need this? Okay. Let's give our worship team a hand. They come early in the morning.
I need you more. Let's give the Lord a hand clap today, man.